Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's going on, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. You guys know me as Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, El Conservador. Some of you also know me as Mr. Call Screener from the Mark Levin Show. And this is a special edition of This Is America for you guys in Philly, 1210 WPHT. And there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about because I'm looking at the headlines. And man, I don't know where to start, whether it's the Supreme Court abortion case whether it's Joe Biden getting sued now in federal court over the vax mandate by the state of Oklahoma and their attorney general, uh, the Jeffrey Epstein case and how he visited the White House 17 times when Bill Clinton was president. And interesting that they have now found that uh, Clinton was part of the Lolita Express. And I'm I'm not trying to connect any dots in any way. Other updates from the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. There's a lot going on. So, I don't know, let's hear, let's start with this one with good old Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, Joe El Baboso Biden is uh, probably the least popular president in recent history, and the only person less popular than him is Kamala Harris. But, be that as it may, Oklahoma Attorney General is now suing Biden over these federal workforce vaccine uh, issues. And this is no good. I mean, music's nice, but I can do without it. Thank you. (laughs) Oklahoma's attorney general is slamming the Biden administration over the COVID-19 vaccine mandate and taking his grievances to court. And this is uh, in FoxNews.com. The attorney general, John O'Connor, has blasted Biden's mandate for military members and federal employees as being unlawful, claiming in a press release that the mandate does not reflect the land of the free. You can say that again, Mr. Attorney General. O'Connor is now asking a court to declare the mandate unconstitutional. Additionally, he's seeking a temporary restraining order to block its enforcement while litigating the case. And that continues to occur. So now I think many of us realize that we can take the vaccine if we want to take the vaccine. If you don't want to take the vaccine, you shouldn't be forced to take the vaccine, just like anything else that happens in a free society. Now, I know there's arguments on both sides and some people are saying, oh, but you took the other vaccines. Well, quite frankly, not necessarily. When you give your kids vaccines to go to a public school, you have the option of saying, I don't want to take them to go to public school and don't go to a public school. Go to a private school, go to a charter school, go to a parochial school. You can do what you want. Homeschool. There's a lot of options. But there's less options when you say, look, I guess I won't work here. Now, of course, that's an option. That's a choice. But how many people can legitimately make that choice? And I I realize it's a difficult one. It's one that I would make, but I realize a lot of people wouldn't. So what happens now? 
when you force the military into this direction, when you force everybody and anybody into this vaccine mandate, you're going to get a very unhappy society. This is literally the iron fist of government coming at us. Who needs that? I know I don't need that. This is why I think so many people reject totalitarianism. Nobody wants to deal with that. And that's, it's not where we are, but it seems to be where we're going. And if we don't pay attention, where we're going to end up permanently, because I don't think anybody gives back power ever, right? You, you tell me when somebody's ever given back any type of power that they've taken. I'm talking about the government. The federal government doesn't give back power. That's not what they do. I mean, kudos to President Trump, El Trumpito, then all this Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. Kudos to him when he decided to fight back on Obamacare and was able to repeal the um, individual uh, mandate, as it was. Kudos to him. Hard to fight back and take back power. The government rarely cedes power when they get it. And I'm happy to see what's happening with the Jeffrey Epstein case. This thing is evolving and a lot of things are coming out. I have a brother who's uh, fascinated with conspiracy theories. Nothing is as it seems. Everything's the exact opposite. It's like bizarro land. And I agree with him on certain points, but for him, it's everything. I mean, there is no truth in the world he lives in. And what I find funny is that for years he's been telling me about the Epstein stuff, the Lolita Express, the island, this, that, and the other, and, oh, they're all coming to jail, they're all coming to jail. Then they catch Epstein, and he's like, oh, he's going to rat everybody out. Then he's dead. Then he's, oh, he's not really dead, he's really alive, and he's working with Trump, and he's going to rat everybody out. Now, that seems to have dissipated, and now it's, this lady's going to blow the whistle, everybody's getting locked up. Those, those memes that Trump used to tweet, where Clinton's in jail, Hillary Clinton's in jail, Slick Willie's in jail, everybody's in jail. Because there's this fascination, this obsession with jail. No, Rich, you want to argue with me. The obsession is with justice. Could be. Could be. Perhaps I'm a cynic because I've worked in government and I've worked in the media. I realize, you know what? Sometimes there is no justice. And that's a horrible thing. And I don't advocate for that. I just, like I said, I'm a cynic. So you're going to have to really sell me on it. Because what happened to Epstein is what I expect. We'll see what happens to Ghislaine Maxwell. Maybe she will do time, but guess what? She's not Epstein. She's Epstein in absentia. She's Epstein by proxy. She's not Epstein. She's one of the foot soldiers, a right-hand man, no doubt. And, and this is what I'm talking about. Now, I know that there are people in the media that wanted to get this story out, and there are people in the media that wanted to suppress the story. And we know that because my buddy James O'Keefe, who I used to work with years ago at Project Veritas, he had this um, audio leaked to him Last year, where the reporter was saying, you know what, this is, uh, this is not good. I tried to get the story out, and they wouldn't let me do it. Check this out. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. 
I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail and now it's all coming out and it's like these new rele- revelations and I freaking had all of it I, I, I'm so pissed right now like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like oh my god we it was um, what, what we had was unreal other women backing it up hey yep Brad Edwards the attorney three years ago saying like aunt like we, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. I had it all three years ago. She had it all. And thank you to Project Veritas for that, that clip of audio. So this is what's happening right now with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, at least according to the New York Post, they have the records that have come from this trial and from their own investigative reporting and some reporting from the Daily Mail that Jeffrey Epstein visited the Clinton White House at least 17 times in the early years of Bill Clinton's administration. The visitor logs show that the wealthy convicted pedophile who even died from an apparent suicide, this is from the article in the Post, made multiple visits starting in uh, September of 93. So now the question becomes, what is the involvement? Is he just currying favor because he's a fixer for the billionaires, fixes them up with these these young children that they want to abuse or whatever the case is. I mean, it's hard to believe all this stuff, but the proof is in the pudding and this pudding is becoming more and more available as the uh, days go on. So you tell me and get me on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you want to drop a comment at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter on Getter. I want to know your thoughts. Where does this thing end up? Does this eventually take down this crazy cabal of bad guys or does this woman have her day in court? She gets sentenced to jail and then that's it. Everything gets you know sealed for 45 years. I don't know. But these visitor logs show that he was there 17 times and there's pictures. And of course, they're always trying to throw Trump under the bus because a lot of these um, socialites all hang out in the same circles. And that, there you have it. Voila. Everybody's guilty by association. So I think we can't really believe everything that we see and hear until we have a little bit more proof. So I'm curious to see where this thing goes. Now, as far as the uh, Maxwell trial, there's some updates on that. We're going to get to that as well as the Supreme Court and a couple of other things about the um, story from a couple of weeks back where they spoke about a satanic temple in Texas offering legal support for abortions. Is it true? Is it false? Well, I'll get to that article in the fourth segment today. But in the second and third segment, we're going to catch up with Paul Kengor, professor from Grove City College. He's got this terrific book out that I want you to know about, but mainly it's what we're talking about because everything we're describing right here is this battle between good and evil. And he kind of sums that up in his new book, The Devil and Karl Marx, ultimately making the case that so much of what's happening in the media, so much of what's happening in the government, so much of what's happening in our culture is directly related to the movement on the left known as Marxism. And this Marxist movement, these communist sympathizers making moves in every area, every institution of our society. So don't move a muscle because we're going to get into all of that stuff. And I know some of this stuff can drive you nuts. It can make you stressed out. If you're like me, I like to eat pernil. That's roast pork, the way the Puerto Ricans make it. <laughs> you name it, I put it down. A cheeseburger, nuggets, but I've been on a diet. I actually lost 50 pounds and I try to stay away from the stress eating 
because I don't want to gain any more weight, especially with all the holidays coming and all of the uh, great food that comes with our holidays. So I use Noom, noom.com slash this is America. If you want to check out a trial of it, it's an app that I use to help log everything under the sun to help me manage my situation so that I can stay hydrated. I eat the right meals. It helps me to measure how many calories in the meals I'm eating. It's a really useful tool. It's an app so you can go to it anytime, anywhere. I love the flexibility of the Noom app. And that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash this is America. Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash this is America. If I were you, I wouldn't wait any longer. Check it out. You can claim your personalized trial to Noom.com slash This Is America right there. This is just for our listeners. Noom.com slash This Is America. And let me know on social media what you think of it. Anyway, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to a special weekend edition of This Is America right here. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. All right, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And as promised, we've got Professor Paul Kengor. He's with Grove City College, and he's the author of The Devil and Karl Marx. Subtitle there is Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. And I got to be frank, I'm usually not a fan of, of the subtitle, but this one is so telling because to me, that's exactly what communism is. So, Professor Paul Kangor, welcome to This is America. Hey, Rich. Good to be with you. Thanks. Awesome, brother. So I really want the audience. And again, I think we talk about Marxism so much. I think your work uh, in the anti-communist world is is definitely something to look out for. Obviously, uh, the great one, Mark Levin, he's contributed to that body of work as well. And people today now throw around this term Marxist as a pejorative for everybody on the left. But I think there's so much more to it than just saying, uh, you know, you're a Marxist, you're a leftist. I think that we really need to, to kind of drill down and understand what's going on. And I, I'm looking at a quote here. From, from the book, and it talks about how Marx was kind of committing his soul to hell before he was writing about the hell of communism. And I think this is something the audience really needs to understand. Who is the man of Karl Marx? Yeah, in fact, that quote, I happen to have it right here. I have it memorized, unfortunately. Um, Thus, heaven I forfeited, I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. Um, you know, not the kind of uh, thing you want to read to your your kid at night, Rich, right <laughs> before bedtime. <laughs> but but that's the kind of that's the kind of dark world that Marx was in. And and look, to be sure, so that's a poem, and he he wrote poems. He also wrote plays, and 
And people might be inclined to say, well, you know, you could take stuff like that from Edgar Allan Poe, right? Um, it doesn't mean that Poe was, a, was you know, worship the devil, right? And, um, and in this case, it doesn't mean, mean that Marx worshiped the devil either. In fact, I say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know to what extent um, Marx was um, that far gone or not. But, but that, kind of, that kind of statement really does say a lot about him and his, his soul, which was once true to God. He, he became a Christian around 1823, 1824. He was about five or six years old and was fairly committed until college. And then he went off the rails and went to a really dark place. I mean, he didn't just become an atheist. He was a very aggressive atheist. He was he was very anti-God. That whole um, that whole statement about the opiate of the masses, religion being the opiate of the masses. I spent a lot of time on that in the book, Rich, as you know. And you know, there's a lot more to that. I hear people say all the time, "Well, I understand what Marx is saying, right? You know, religion's the opiate of the masses. It's kind of a crutch, you know, and, and it is kind of a crutch, right, for all, for all of us." But but no, no, no. Marx meant it in a much darker way. And Marx even says in that essay, the opiate of the masses essay, he says the criticism of religion is the beginning of all criticism. And Marx was all about criticize, criticize, criticize. He called for the ruthless criticism of everything that exists. And here there's a kind of natural segue to, to, to critical theory, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, but so for Marx, right, the criticism of religion is the beginning of all criticism. He felt in this kind of war against human nature that, that you needed to go against, you, you, you first needed to take out God or people's connection to God, to religion. That was fundamental to raising the whole foundation and uh, and the whole larger Marxist project. You, you know, I, I shake my head because I think, you know, while I, I am no fan of oversimplifying anything, I think it's good to look at things at both in the micro and the macro. But I look at this and I think this is one of the most clear examples of good versus evil I've seen in a long time. And, and yeah. Marx is clearly the bad guy here and and creating this this. I'm going to call it the evil religion of Marxism that people are worshiping at that altar today on the left. And, and it seems like it's almost inescapable a couple of centuries later. Well, that's right. In fact, um, uh, Raymond Aaron, who was, um, I think, uh, in fact, I think Mark Levin quotes him in, in his new book on American Marxism. He wrote a book, uh, boy, probably 60, 70 years ago now called The Opium of the Intellectuals. And his whole point was how many of these these you know uh, enlightened intellectuals on the left who fancy themselves as being so superior minded so cynical especially they're not like those slack jawed superstitious religious people right but mm -hmm. for but for them marxism leninism became kind of kind of their opium it became kind of al almost like a religion to them and ronald reagan who went through all of this because ronald reagan was a liberal in the 30s and 40s in hollywood it's really where he turned he called himself a hemophiliac liberal. He started speaking to all these different uh, progressive groups that he learned out that he learned later. At many of them were actually communist front groups. Reagan spoke of Marxism, Leninism, that religion of theirs, that religion of theirs. So they end up they end up treating it like a religion. Uh, Augustine said we have a God shaped vacuum in all of us. And we do. And that means something that only God can really fill that vacuum. And if you remove God, you replace it with something else. It might be some form of paganism. It might be some other form of idolatry. 
And for these you know, atheistic, hard left intellectuals, a lot of them replaced it with, with the unclean spirit, if you will, or, or to quote from Marx and Engels in the opening to the Communist Manifesto, they replaced it with, quote, the specter of communism, unquote, right? That's how they opened their book, talking about the specter of communism that has taken Europe. So, so yeah, very, very, very much so, very much so. You know, Professor Kengo, I talked with a couple of people uh, about the the rise and, and the continued upward trajectory of liberation theology within uh, the Christian church, within the Catholic church. I actually spoke with a Protestant right. preacher and, and a Catholic at the same in, a, in concurrent interviews. And and what they said was the same. Yes, it's knocking at the door. It's creeping in. It's here. It's among us. And there's such a spread. And to me, it's clear if, if you've studied this and if you know the history of Marx and how it's coming in. Sure, it's clear as day. Uh, and I know that you um, you have this emphasis on on the devil and Karl Marx. So uh, help us tie all of that together so that the listeners can really get it. Yeah, so many on the religious <clears throat> left are so easily duped by by all of this, and and I and I'm seeing this right now. I have a piece at American Spectator um, called "Teach MLK, Not CRT," and 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 I and I also wrote a piece that's posted on our website, the Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College, titled "Critical Race Theory, um, Myths, Marxism, and More." And and I and I note there how easily people on the religious left are, are taken in by some of these ideas. I wrote a whole book called Dupes, right? And 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 a lot of a lot of times the the the, the biggest dupes, Lenin used the phrase useful idiots, for some of these Marxist ideas were naive, caring, sympathetic, loving, trusting people on the religious left who who would um, who who would be trusting, right? And say, oh, okay, well. Um, like these people are telling us, not realizing people are necessarily communists, right? Maybe we can learn from Marx here about the poor, right? Um, maybe we can learn here from critical race theorists about uh, about discrimination. And I and I tell them, Rich, no, you don't. You don't need to go to a Marxist-based or Marxist-influenced um, ideology if you're a Christian. Just do the gospel. Right. Just do what Jesus would do. You can just go to the go to the Bible. You, you, you want to help the poor? You want to help poverty? Just, just go to the New Testament. Go to the Old Testament. Right. You, you don't need you don't need to buy into a theory that's militantly atheistic and anti-God in the case of Marxism. Right. Critical race theory developed in the 1970s and really took off in the 1980s and 1990s in our universities. Question for you, Rich. Gee, how in the world did Martin Luther King Jr. do what he did without critical race theory, right? I mean, right. He was assassinated in April 1968. Uh, the NAACP, which was established over 100 years ago. Gee, how did the NAACP do what they did without critical race theory? The, well, the answer is they didn't need critical race right. theory. And you don't need it either. So it, it, so you you can do these things without without going to this theory developed by this very narrow band of people, Kimberly Crenshaw, Richard Delgado, uh, Robin DiAngelo, who wrote the book on white fragility. Uh, you don't need to go there, right? You know, j just just do traditional Christian um, work. Do you, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Not WWMD, what would Marx do, right? Uh, right. But but so many people on, on the religious left just get sucked in by this stuff. I think it's because I, I know this sounds insulting, but they're not—they're not often um, well at discerning 
the, these things. They're, they're easily pulled in by emotional ideas. We got to be wiser uh, about, about this stuff. You know, God has given us a brain. Use it well. You know, that holds true for, for the latter part of the book as well with uh, death, deception, infiltration, and how th this is the same case, not just the, the religious left, but everybody. I mean, every institution has been infiltrated. So I want to jump into that, but we're going to take a quick break right here. I am Rich Valdez. He is Paul Kengore. The book is The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death and Deception and Infiltration. Uh, get it on Amazon. Don't move a muscle. We'll be right back. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, welcome back. Rich Valdez here, special edition of This is America on WPHT 1210 Talk Radio here in Philadelphia. And we've got Professor Paul Kengor from Grove City College. He's the author of The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. Excellent book. I, I enjoy it so much that I actually asked Professor Kengor to send a signed copy to my daughter <laughs> because this is a topic that she uh, enjoys just uh, out of her inquisitiveness. And we were talking just before we took a break about how people get duped. And, and I want you to continue that strand, but delve into... How people have gotten duped, you know, how is it, I guess, most people say this communism stuff, yeah, it was in Russia, it's in China, it's in these places, but it's not in the United States, it's not here. You guys are a bunch of Red Scare McCarthyites, right, that are just uh, freaking out. I, I don't believe that to be true. I think the reason is, if you don't know, you don't know. And when you do know, you see this stuff coming a mile away. So I guess take it from there and expand on that. Yeah. And, and I mean, we can be guilty on the conservative side of exaggerating, right, and being sloppy about this stuff. But yeah, I, I one of the quotes that I open up the, the, the book with, uh, The Devil and Karl Marx, this is from Earl Browder, who was General Secretary of Communist Party USA in the 1930s, probably one of the top five you know, most well-known American communists of all time. And he said this, and he says this to Union Theological Seminary. Which is which to this day is a leading progressive theological seminary in New York. It says this very openly, quote, you may be interested in knowing that we have preachers, preachers active in churches who are members of the Communist Party. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> Actual members of the Communist Party. Now, a, a, a lot of people who were communists in the 20th century were small C communists. They didn't actually join the party, Rich. Because to join the party, especially when Browder said that in 1935, in fact, I quote the 1935 Communist Party USA um, oath that you took when you joined the party and you raised your right hand and you said, um, I swear at all times to remain a defender of the Leninist line of the party, the only party that ensures 
the triumph of Soviet power inside the United States, unquote. You literally swore a loyalty oath to Stalin's Soviet Union, which is why a lot of American communists said, well, I don't want to do that, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to swear a loyalty oath to Stalin. The people who actually swore the oath and joined the party, they were really hardcore, right? And it was probably about at its peak, 50,000 to 100,000 people in the United States. There are probably a million communists, right? But not, not many joined the party. So to actually have active members and pastors in churches who were members of Communist Party USA, that's pretty frightening. And, and it's Shocking. what raised the, yeah. And it's what raised the antenna of people like, you know, not just Joe McCarthy, who came almost 10, 20 years later, but the House Committee on Un-American Activities, um, by the way, even people like Woodrow Wilson, who a decade before was was warning about this. Wilson was a progressive, but he was an anti-communist, right? It was he to said, the left of him. Yeah, he, he, he said, he said, come on, you don't join the Bolsheviks. Are you kidding me? Right. Come on. So so today what you often have are people on the religious left and other people on the left who are taken in not quite so directly. Right. Right. But by theories that have been influenced by these things. And this is where, you know, granted, it gets more murky. It does. But but I try to tell friends on the religious left today, if there's any connection in the theory that you're subscribing to, to one of these Marxist based theories, be damn careful. Right. You know, this is fruit from a from a poison tree. And, and, and again, um, you don't need to go to a Marxist influence or Marxist rooted theory. Um, especially when you've got something like the Christian gospel that ought to give you the answers that you need. Just don't go there. It's not necessary. Yeah, you know, I started my broadcasting career at a radio station that's 17 floors above Madison Square Garden. And interestingly enough, there was a Communist Party USA gathering there in that time frame, 19, I'm forgetting the year now, but they filled Madison Square Garden for a communist convention. I had no idea that this was that popular back in the early part of the, the 1900s. Yes, yeah, that was Earl Browder's convention, and and I write about that at length. And they and that's where he offered the so-called outstretched hand, and this is very telling. I spent a lot of time on this in the book, where 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 the Communist Party changed its whole approach, and instead of. Uh, attacking religious people in the United States and calling them superstitious, slack-jawed idiots and morons, instead started saying, you know, Karl Marx said a lot of stuff that I think is very useful where we and Christians can agree upon this. And you know, so, so, so they took an entirely different approach. And there were even people, I quote in the book, um, Dorothy Day and her Catholic worker, which was very left-wing, right? Um, you know, saying to Browder and the others, we do not want to uh, shake your outstretched hand, right? We agree with you that there are certain commonalities and crossovers between the two, uh, but we cannot find common ground with the Communist Party because communism is inherently atheistic and anti-God and anti-religious. So people on the left at different times have been able to draw these, extinct, these distinctions, but, but so many people today can't because because they're not properly discerning. And frankly, this gets back to our universities, Rich, right? Uh, a, a lot of the universities don't teach this stuff. They don't teach it well. They don't know any better. And if um, if people like Patrice Cullors, the, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, she calls herself a Marxist, a trained Marxist. 
if she only knew what a racist Karl Marx was. Uh, uh, Marx used the N-word all the time. This is quite remarkable, Rich. You go back and read letters between Marx and Engels in German, and all of a sudden you see the word N-I-G-G, right? You're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's the German translation for this? They didn't even use that. They used the American English racial epithet. They used the N-word. Uh, these guys were very racist. That and part of it stemmed from their atheism. They believed right. that, that all human beings were the result of evolutionary processes, and that black people were lower in the evolutionary scale and closer to apes and monkeys than everyone else. They said this. They said this is this. Marx and his friends. Yeah, Marx and Engels. And so the fact that that somebody like the BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors would call herself a Marxist, is she ignorant of what Marx said about race? Yeah, actually she is, because we don't teach this stuff in our universities. And even after me reporting all this stuff in the book, which has been reported before anyway, it'll still persist because people on the left don't read books like this, which is why they're so ignorant and um, and, and, and end up subscribing to theories and ideas like this. I honestly think that they don't even know any better. Yeah, you know, so we're on with Professor Paul Kangor from Grove City College. He's the author of Carl, The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception and Infiltration. And I wanna talk about the latter part of this long march right now. So, you know, fast forward to today. Today, we're looking at all of these uh, evil seeds that were were sown in yesteryear. And now we're seeing this, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Patrice Cullors, Black Lives Matter, uh, all of this um, really crazy stuff, in my opinion, that we see where, you know, I, my, I have two daughters. One is 16, one is um, 20. And my 16-year-old the other day tells me, uh, she's like, you know, Dad, the other day, uh, I just happened to ask, do they still do the Pledge of Allegiance? Because I'm hearing that some people don't do that anymore when you start public school. And she said, oh, no, we still do it. But the teacher says you can stand if you want. And I said, well, you make sure you're on your feet. She said, I was the only one standing. And, wow. and, and I thought, wow, um, why? And she, you know, she went out to tell me the teacher even encouraged her. You don't have to stand, sweetie. You could sit if you like. And I thought, what is this country coming to? And, and I think full circle, this is what it is. When, when you, at the, the way I was raised, it was all about family and God and country. And, and those things I think are, are valuable values to have in a society so that we maintain the virtue that the founders intended that we would continue to espouse to have a successful republic. And I think today the republic is uh, maybe not as far as life support, but it's definitely in the critical care unit. And I think the reason we're there is because of these guys. And I guess just give me your thoughts on that and how this march has continued and where you think it's going. Yeah, boy, I remember um, at Butler High School in Butler, Pennsylvania, I graduated class of 84 and I was uh, I wasn't like I am now. <laughs> right. Uh, just a, a bad kid, partied too much, um, just really, really messed up. Uh, but I remember standing everybody for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I also remember, Rich, a moment of silence that the principal would say over the intercom. Right. And I didn't pray when that was going on. But it all told me that there was something special, something sacred about all of this. Right. And it, it taught a certain reverence for the country, for faith, for, for God. And so it was kind of imbuing in me whether I knew it or not. Um, that kind of respect. And I think that alone was significant. And it probably arguably helped me bring me back to where I was later on 
uh, in the 1990s, 10, 15 years later, when I started coming around and coming back to uh, probably all those rosaries that my grandmother had said for me in Emporium, Pennsylvania, all those, which probably is the only thing that kept me alive uh, through the 80s and 1990s. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're tossing all of that aside. And, and the, the largest single religious grouping today are the so-called nuns, N-O-N-E, who have no religious affiliation at all. And many of them are going into different forms of paganism and other things that are not healthy at all. And very relativistic philosophies that, um, that, that are not going to serve them well and are going to be very damaging for them and also for the society and culture and con uh, country as a whole. Well, that's it. Anything else? You got to buy the book. Make sure you go to Amazon.com or wherever you get your books. The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception and Infiltration. Paul Kangor is the author. Paul, thank you, sir, professor, for being with us today and sharing these uh, really, uh, in my opinion, um, erudite words of wisdom that really I think we need to know and 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 continue to research. Well, you're very kind, Rich. Thank you very much. You do a great show. And uh, have me on again anytime, please. Will do. All right. Don't move a muscle. We'll be right back to wrap it all up. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back, Philadelphia. Welcome back, America. Everybody listening this weekend, special edition of This Is America with Rich Valdez. I am that Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And make sure you let me know your comments, your thoughts on what's going on. That was a great interview with uh, Dr. Paul Kengor, professor at Grove City College in Pennsylvania. And this battle between good and evil, the battle over the soul of America, and quite frankly, the soul of the world, couldn't be more evident than it is right now. Now, speaking of souls and speaking of the devil and Karl Marx, that article that I mentioned to you, that was a real thing. So check out this headline in the DallasNews.com. Satanic Temple challenges Texas abortion restrictions for its members claiming religious exemptions. Anti-abortion members of the Texas legislature have begun to use the organization's challenge to raise campaign funds, framing the issue as a matter of good versus evil. That's exactly what I just said. They're just on the side of evil. Anyway, check this out. And this is not a breaking news story. This is probably eight weeks old. But it just underscores what's happening in Washington with this case with Miss, uh, Mississippi and how they're considering, you know, taking the, the legs out from under the Roe versus Wade, which I think is a good thing. Austin, Texas, among the challenges looking for Texas's new heartbeat law is one from the Satanic Temple, whose legal counsel is arguing to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration that members should continue to have access to abortion inducing medication under the state's religious medical exemption. The Satanic Temple, which is recognized as a religion by the Internal Revenue Service, contends that religious freedom and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act allow this. And this is exactly what allows Native Americans to have access to drugs for religious rituals and also applies to Satanists. Crazy, crazy stuff. 
And again, that piece, you can read it on your own, is in the Dallas Morning News. I'll tweet out a link to it, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I'll put it on Getter. I'll put it everywhere I can. You can follow me at Rich Valdez on all of the social media because I want to engage with you and interact with you because I'd love to know your thoughts about this. Overall, we've talked about several things here. We talked about the evil of Epstein and what's going on there. We've talked about what's going on with Marxism and how it's infiltrated, and it's this deadly march with Professor Ken Gore. And now we're talking about the satanic temple, the actual Satanists are saying, if you need an abortion, we got your back under religious exemption. You could not make this stuff up. This is why I always tell people, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything because we have to rise up in the face of evil and fight evil with evil. No, of course not. You got to fight evil with good. And I think that's the central message. We have to kill him with kindness. We have to win over the hearts and minds. This is a debate I get into with my brother all the time. Like I told you, and I got a bunch of brothers, but he always says, Richie, the time for hearts and minds has come and gone. Now we have to take action. He's talking about crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, how are we going to win people over by hurting them? You can't. Nobody's advocating for violence. People are just frustrated because they don't know what to do or how to do it. I'm telling you that you look at the models that we have, the example that was left to us by Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. That's right, Donald Trump. He left his skyscraper in the sky, right, on Fifth Avenue. It's golden. It's got his name on it. He took his supermodel wife and relocated right into the swamp. He didn't even need to do it, and he lost money in the process. But that's exactly what he did. That's the sacrifice that it takes to make a difference. You have to put something on the line. I said this a couple of weeks ago, if you remember. When was the last time you've heard frustration and desperation from what you would imagine to be one of the founding fathers? Take George Washington, for example. Do you think for a second that George Washington would say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The left is beating us. Of course not. You think even AOC, AOC's going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm all out crazy. Ah, ah. Of course not. She knows exactly what she wants to do. She knows exactly the action she's going to take. They don't stop for a second. They keep going. They keep pressing on. They have a clear agenda. Part of what works against us is our passion for individualism, our passion to be left alone. Mind your business. Let me do my thing. Get off my back and out of my pocket, like Reagan said. That is what they use against us because by their nature, by their ideology, the leftist is a collectivist. The Marxist loves collectivism. We don't. That's why you say, oh, you know, got to give it to the Democrats because they stick together when they vote. No, it's not that they stick together when they vote. They believe in doing everything together. They believe in a monolithic lockstep. We don't. We believe in heterodoxy and this diversity of thought, people being individuals, the power of the individual, the power of a capital market that embraces capitalism and a free market. That's a huge difference. But we can't allow what we believe in and what's good for us to be our demise. We have to be smarter than that. It's the only way. What was it that Lord Acton and Sir Edmund Burke said? The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. Now is the time to make your voice heard. Now is the time to pick up a sign. Now is the time to volunteer for a campaign. Now is the time to get involved. Now is the time. Like Gandhi said, we have to be the change we want to see in this world. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, my name is Rich Valdez. Pleasure being with you this weekend. And you can check me out anytime. Subscribe to the podcast. It's on odyssey.com. This is America with Rich Valdez. I'm looking forward to connecting with you guys on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. And until the next time.
I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.